to my podcast, Cyberglass Ceiling. I'm going to have a light-hearted fireside chat with some people who are leaders in the industry of cybersecurity. Prominent for the fact that they are a women, people of colour, LGTBQ, or just different. The term glass ceiling refers to sometimes invisible barriers to success that many come up against in their careers. A management consultant called Marilyn Loden coined the phrase almost 40 years ago regarding women rising to senior positions and says it's still as relevant as ever today. So I've taken it a little step further, not just women, but people of colour and bias that may exist in the workplace and how they overcame this to become leaders in the industry. I promise not too much swearing, no politics or religion, just a cuppa and whatever takes your fancy. Sea Vision International is a global event and advisory firm dedicated to convening leading visionaries in an exclusive environment for peer-to-peer collaboration. Our programs highlight critical business challenges and deliver the best available applied sciences aimed to change the world. Your vision is our mission. Let us help you build your company's future today, not tomorrow. Today, I've got with me Nelson Soares. Nelson, say hello. Hey there, Charles. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Nelson is the CEO of Sea Vision International, which is a global events company in cybersecurity. But I'm not the expert. I'll let Nelson give an introduction and we'll kick in. Indeed. Thanks, Charles. Yes, uh, Sea Vision International. Uh, we can go into that a little bit more. I like to call it more of a collaborative uh, opportunity to network and learn from one another, right? So I founded the company in October 2020 during the pandemic and uh, got fantastic uh, business partners, uh, two female leaders, fearless ones, uh, Miguel uh, Tansel, I think I pronounced that correctly, otherwise she's going to kill me, and uh, Mina Chan, uh, two individuals I've known for a very long time. Uh-huh. And uh, when you are looking to partner with somebody, it just made sense to actually look for talent, right? Uh, which, again, we can dive deeper in a little bit around that kind of stuff. But uh, besides that, I do a lot of work as well in th- for the communities. Uh, I am the uh, co-chair of Ambassadors uh, for Cyversity alongside Devin Bryan, the global CIO uh, for uh, Carnival Corporation Cruises. Also, I hope I got that one right. Otherwise, Devin is going to kill me. All right, the Carnival Corporation, but I think the cruise is to be aligned there mm-hmm. based on his biography. And I'm also in the board of directors uh, for another nonprofit called Pocket Security, which is led by uh, the uh, CISO Stanford's education, Lita Muller. And uh, the uh, co-founder out there is a lady called Julie Cooper. And uh, Pocket Security essentially is there to ensure that other nonprofits are protected or at least aware of what cyber means. Great job. Yesterday, we were at an event, um, one of your events, and uh, tell me a little bit about that and just some of the guests uh, that uh, uh, were speaking at the event and uh, doing some fireside chats. So what C-Vision likes to do, right, is to bring in leaders together at all different type of levels. Right, to try and understand what's going on right now in this very dynamic industry. Cyber is not slowing down. Or be that we also do IT, we do marketing, we do anything with a, with a need on it anyways, right? As long as there's people in the need, we're we, we able to execute on that. Um, 
what we had yesterday was what we call our CIO and CISO UK event think tank. And we had just over 55 executives showing up uh, to mind share their challenges, their opportunities, what they're seeing around the various topics throughout the agenda. The question was always, how do we bring the dark side in, right? Mm-hmm as they call themselves, <laughs> <laughs> vendors. We like to call them partners, right? It's yep. all about the partnerships that we can uh, foster with these organizations as well. But more importantly, can we transfer our knowledge to them from what we know, right? We've been there before you and I, and vendors, solution providers seem to have a big appetite to sell. Obviously, that's what they do. They have a solution, they want to sell it. Our job at Sea Vision is to ask them to put the brakes on just a little second and before you attempt to make any sale, understand the problem first. Learn about the environment that the CIS or the CR that the practitioner is going through. Because if you can actually flip the coin that way, you're going to start learning a lot more about, am I really in a position to do this sale? Right? Should I just really focus about the main piece, which is the relationship? Mm-hmm. Right? Because if you can manage to do that, as a solution provider, not only you've gained the respect of the executive, but also the executive network. And I'm, I'm proud to be part of that as well. And uh, through knowing yourself and working with C-Vision, um, I've got to understand some of the, the key individuals um, that uh, you've um, brought along to network and understand some of their challenges. But thank you for that. So we're going to get into it. And um, rule of thumb, you get 10 questions. And uh, with these 10 questions, you can just say whatever you want in regards to um, how you feel and think about things. Uh, so question one, what was your first ever job? <laughs> I laugh at this one. I got a couple of good jokes. I was uh, 13, so hard to forget. And the parents were struggling. We just moved from Africa, and uh, we were in uh, Portugal, Lisbon, and my mom wasn't so happy out there. She wanted more for her kids, mm-hmm. so she decided to move to London. But that move comes with an expense, obviously, right? And we just didn't have the money whatsoever, so eventually my mom just says, hey, listen, we're going to have a nice little holiday to England who wants to come. Five of us said yes, we're a family of nine. Wow. Yeah, five of us, the three girls and myself and my other brother actually said yes, she goes, great, you have to self-fund it. <laughs> so I'm, like, I'm a 13-year-old kid. And I had to sit down and actually think, what can I do? And eventually my friend said, hey, I got a position for you out there because that's what I do during the summer, right? And I'm like, what's that? He says, gardening. <laughs> Knew nothing about it. I figured, why not? So uh, that was my first job. I was a gardener at the age of 13. <laughs> Very good. And um, when you went to college, and you, and you left school or left, yeah, you know, that type of thing. What was your first professional job? When I left college, well, throughout college, I'd done some tough jobs, mm. right? McDonald's. We've all been there. Yeah, working in that kitchen. Nando's. Still love Nando's, right? Uh, Zenith Windows door-to-door selling here in the UK. That was tough, real tough, specifically with the weather in the UK, right? Uh, so I've done a little bit of everything, but by the time I actually graduated from college, I had no clue what I wanted to do. I think most majority of college students have the same problem, so I'm not about to actually cry 
uh, about it, but uh, I have made some strides to try and go and actually teach those individuals in the same position as mm -hmm. me when they're graduating or even when they're going through the process of graduation to start thinking about that because the school is not telling you that. No one is actually telling you that. The school will take the money and good luck, right? And then you find yourself with this college degree and you're like, what the heck am I supposed to do now, right? In my case, I was in love, right? Yeah, my happens. plans was to actually leave the country and I couldn't because my wife today, uh, Demio, uh, she still had two years left in the University of Greenwich. So I got a job with the DWP, Department of Working Pensions, wow. Peckham Job Center. That was where I used to do some of the work and then I would travel quite a bit to the uh, central London uh, to go and meet the HQ and whatnot. And uh, I was part of what they call the uh, loan parent divisions. There's a lot of uh, benefit fraud in the UK, so mm -hmm. I came to learn. My job was to understand whether that lady uh, was actually single or not, claiming the benefits. Uh, a lot of it was just paperwork, but now and again got really interesting when you had to go and knock on the door. Wow, that's a tough gig. It wasn't easy. <laughs> tough gig. Okay, so what attracted you to the world of IT and you know cybersecurity? Um, in the whole, um, like you said, in, in, in 2020, 2021, you went, do you know what? This is where I'm going. I didn't. I actually didn't say that this is where I'm going. That's not what I had in mind. And I was bored as fuck. Okay, <laughs> the government, I just was bored. It was really tedious work, Charles. And uh, one day I got a phone call and it was a missed dial. Right, uh, as any other board employee with nothing else to do, because the government does move that slow and I'd finished my project and whatnot, I picked up the phone and next thing you know, I just happened to be the HR director of a different organization called GDS International Group, um, based HQ in uh, Bristol. And the conversation just led into me going to be interviewed. Uh, Oliver Smart, as you can tell, still names that are in my mind because they've become good friends as well, right? Mm -hmm. He was the CEO at the time. Uh, I still believe he's still with the company and whatnot. And hey, before before I knew it, I blinked and I was in Bristol, UK, uh, against every wishes of my mother, family, and whatnot. So I just needed something a bit more dynamic. So I moved to Bristol and I was given a very sturdy week, week's training. And then eventually they gave me like a yellow page book. Oh, wow. <laughs> 101 direct sales start at a and work your way through to z <laughs> yes sir that that's pretty much what it was and uh yeah at the time i didn't know what it meant to be quite honest every time you actually spoke to it uh, in fact if you go back to another 20 year old kid and whatnot and you ask what it means they're going to say computer right they don't quite understand the language of business and technology mm -hmm. nor did i so i figured okay this is pretty cool i hated it <laughs> Uh, because I wasn't in control. But uh, as time went on, I realized that I was pretty competitive. There were people around me selling, doing really well, and I figured, why not mm -hmm. stick at it? And you start learning from that. And I really start to understand the concept of cyber, technology, and nothing comes easy these days, so I had to read quite a lot. You know, fake it until you make it. 
that's pretty much where I was heading towards. Cool. Now, this is around you and the tan that you have, let's say. You know that first interview when you said you were being judged um, and someone was looking at you going, oh, I didn't know Nelson was like that. We, we all had it. Um, and, you know, does, that, does, a, does a time come across where you thought, yeah, I remember sitting in front of this HR or, or, or this person and going, yeah, I don't care what you say, mate, you're not getting the job. It does a few times, but the one that really, <laughs> I'm not sure they're going to be too happy to hear it. But well, you Bar don't have to give names, but it'll be good. Uh, go on, Barclays Bank then, go on. Might as well just throw it out there. I'm sure they've changed since then, but that was one of my first very professional interviews. And it was quite scary in many different ways. I was too young and uh, I needed a job pay the bills and whatnot. So I've been independent, living by myself from a very young age, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I had this group of white males, old white males, literally sitting across me, which by the way, you know, I figured, oh wow, I must be really famous. I got five of you guys in front of me <laughs> for a <laughs> shitty position, but okay. Just a cashier, register, personal banker, whatever the heck it was at the time I was applying, who cared, right? I was just applying for jobs, they called me. And I made it that far. And uh, yeah, it was quite, quite intimidating. They, they, they weren't looking at me, right? They were just looking at something else which they could not comprehend in many different ways, which is there is a colored person in front of me and no matter what, you're not about to get a job. Somehow, I made for the cracks. I was in front of them, and they could not understand what I was doing out there. So that was that experience out there. I can elaborate more if you want. No, no. Um, again, I think I also recognize, um, and but this is about you. This this is not about you know my my challenges. It's about you know what you've gone through, and um, in time, uh, you know we we align very much the same, which is kind of scary, but. Um, I get it. So you're in a job, you're working your ass off, and you're thinking, yeah, I'm doing well. And there's a position that's going to come up, and it's a management position. Yeah? And you're thinking, I should go for that. And that time when that co-worker, less qualified than yourself, gets that promotion, and you don't. What happens next? <laughs> Good question. Good question. I haven't, I haven't actually been in in a similar type of position. The jobs that I've had since the uh, the government where I knew I would either stuck with it, I would have been facing what you just asked quite frequently. Mm -hmm. And I realized there and then that, see, they can control that environment. They can't control what I do with it. And what I've decided to do was to walk away, right? There's only one person that controls that part of your life in that shoe. Correct. So I took it on my own to walk away from that environment. I didn't like it, right? Uh, but as as I grew up, as I got older, 
I start realizing no matter where I did go, there's always the challenge that I was trying to run away from. So mm. eventually I decided to, to face it, to learn about it, to be creative in different ways, uh, to not be judged by my skin color, by the country that I was born or where I was raised, instead by my own capabilities to get the job done. Mm -hmm. So I really tried to, every other position that I had out, out there, I really tried to go back to being competitive, right? That helped me a lot to create a relationship with myself to be the best I can be, right? And typically, the best I could be was better than the best person around Indeed. me. I suppose that there's a saying that um, it's okay, you know, for people of women, people of colour, it's about doing the job and doing it 10 times harder and better uh, than a, a, a colleague um, because you have to prove yourself. Yeah. And like I said, once you break that ceiling, break that barrier um, and you've got, you're at the top table um, and it's because of your hard work and efforts. Um, but to get there, that's the struggle. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And um, again, I can sit here and, and, and talk about uh, my background, but today's about you and, you know, what relates. And, you know, people are listening to this go, oh, yes, I've been through that. Yeah, we, and people are nodding and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, again, it, it's it's kind of interesting. So I'm going to take a break. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to get a, a quick line from our sponsors and uh, we're going to come back. Sea Vision International is a global event and advisory firm dedicated to convening leading visionaries in an exclusive environment for peer-to-peer -peer collaboration. Our programs highlight critical business challenges and deliver the best available applied sciences aimed to change the world. Your vision is our mission. Let us help you build your company's future today, not tomorrow. And welcome back to Cyberglass Ceilings, uh, where we have uh, Nelson Soares, who's the CEO and founder of Sea Vision International. Um, we're going to carry on with the, the few questions. Um, next one, as a leader in, in the workplace, in your workplace, have you seen the shift in culture promoting people like yourself, more women uh, at the top table? What's the influence that you bring to when you were employing people? In my company, yeah, we're looking for talent, right? And that can come in every way, shape, or form in many different ways. And uh, we are a very diverse organization. As I said, both of my business partners are female leaders, right? Uh, we're staring at one right in front of us here, Cathy. Uh, uh, we got plenty, right? Uh, counterpart in Europe as well is uh, another lady, so on and so forth. And then we got a lot of uh, African-Americans. So, again, we don't really differentiate we're just literally looking for talents and you know if it comes black so be it if it is female so be it if it is disabled so be it right so uh that's what goes on at Vision international good thank you um so you're holding these events uh you flew in from new york on thursday could even tell you Oops. wednesday the wednesday wednesday wow. yeah. <laughs> um <laughs> And you went straight into the the event, and uh, I thought, "Oh, Nelson's here." Hang on, you're in New York about eight nine hours ago. 
uh, and, and you did a full on day uh, and you're paying for it now, I guess. But um, hey, you're here for the weekend, so um, you can rest and party. Uh, but one of the questions I got for you is around you speaking to these uh, top leaders in cybersecurity and um, these speakers are talking about some of their challenges. Um, could you elaborate what you've learned and what you've understood, um, whether they be a, 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 a very large bank or very large consultancies? Um, what have you learned from listening and speaking with these guys? I've learned that this is a sector with plenty of opportunity, uh, growing, uh, establishing itself as a leader if you want to call it, security wasn't security 10, 15 years ago, right? Non-existent. And today we got great business leaders uh, really working hard to try and make sure that cyber is part of the ROI discussion with the board and whatnot. Uh, the problems are all the same. It's just a matter of is there a bigger company with a bigger budget or not? Is there more politics, bureaucracies, right? Because that controls the speed of innovation mm -hmm. that an organiza organization will, might go through and whatnot. So, and that was pretty critical to understand as we put the event together, right? Uh, at the end of the day, can you put a Barclays bank with a mid-market organization? And the answer is yes, you can. Uh, now, the language might not be the same because of what I just told you previously, right? They've got a lot bigger headaches because they're a bit more attractive and with attraction comes <laughs> a lot of need for budgets to do other things as well right not only to please the customers but also to protect themselves from the uh the bad the bad people out there so uh very similar challenges controlled by the amount of money they can actually uh work with and the bigger the company the more problems believe it or not Right, uh, the SMB level organizations actually can get shit done a lot faster because there's less politics and bureaucratics Absolutely. within the organization. And uh, you, you'll also find project-wise, they'll bring in third parties. Um, do those third parties have the relevant certifications to, to run that project, um, especially in the banking and the regulation? Um, it's getting bigger and heavier and bigger and heavier. Um, all the hoops that everyone's got to jump through. And uh, I know um, yesterday ransomware came up as one of mm -hmm. the biggest challenges. Um, and, you know, companies were paying ransomware. But um, since COVID and the war in Ukraine, um, people are going, hang on a minute. Um, it's the same bad actors. Uh, and, you know, they're not funding it. But again, we can run down that rabbit hole another time. Um, so, what practical cybersecurity advice would you give your family and friends? Ah, that's a good one, right? Because uh, I got a lot of friends, and most friends are all CISOs and whatnot, all practitioners, right? Uh, my wife is the chief of staff of a cyber startup as well, right? And uh, look, the best advice that I can give her, let me start there very quickly, because that's usually the same advice that I give everybody else around us. Find your, find your spot, find your voice, right? Just don't be scared of finding your voice in what you do. And it sounds a bit different. You're probably expecting 
me being a bit more education about the problems of cyber around ransomware and whatnot. But the the number one challenge that you know, and I got plenty of mentors mm-hmm. or even CISOs that I mentor that they speak to me, they rely on me for information and whatnot, and female leaders, black leaders that have been challenged with everything else that we're just discussing here today. So the best advice that I usually can give them is, look, to do your job, you need to be yourself first, right? Don't try and be someone else. More important, don't be scared. Find that voice and push as much as you can because that's actually respected in the industry. There's a uh, Rob Duhart, he's the deputy CISO at Walmart, uh, African American fella, mm-hmm. and I've had the pleasure to actually meet him a few times and whatnot. And uh, he actually said, and I quote him on this one because I actually got it right in front of me, and that's one of the things that's actually stuck with me. It's just not enough to talk about diversity initiatives and encourage good behavior. We have to make active, intentional efforts, whether through training programs or other means. Find your voice. And that really stuck into my heart and mind uh, uh, at that time because I've realized that as individuals, as CISOs, practitioners, anyone within CyberChilds, you can only do your job if you're being true to yourself. 100, 100%. So here you are, um, founder and leader of a, of a business. And there's someone, let's say, straight out of school, straight out of college, that wants to get into cybersecurity. What was your advice be to them? Find help. Okay, there's a lot of help out there. But if you don't ask the questions, you're never going to find the help. And a lot of individuals minorities that are trying to get into cyber don't quite realize that we got groups like Cyversity helping mm-hmm. minorities. Fantastic. Right? Uh, we got OBT. I mean, I could go on forever. Okay, these sort of alliances and partnerships that we're trying to sign up uh, through Cyversity to help these individuals with their uh, path. We got mentors, C-suite mentors that are willing to not only sponsor you, but, you know, just go through the journey with you. So the biggest advice out there is you're not alone there's a lot of individuals like myself or you yep here we are here today you're doing this for them right uh there, there's some key figures in my life the likes of larry whiteside devin Bryan, and so on and so forth those guys have really woken me up to we have an opportunity to to drive change right to to our group of people Right. And we're out there looking to do that, working really hard to get scholarships, trainings, right? And the the actual sister for uh the NFL, Thomas Maldonado as an example, right? He gives over an hour, two hours of his time every week without failure to go into uh, a nice lovely podcast enabling people to come in with a group of senior leaders. Right. Uh, sometimes I wish I could get them all together in my event. Right. <laughs> just just to, to tell you the uh, the quality that actually gets together. But all they do in that particular chit chat is allowing people, younger people, um, uh, uh, African Americans, women, and other minorities, to 
to learn about the experiences and how to get their really questions that could guide them towards the cyber industry. So you're not alone. Just try and find those channels that are really out there willing to help you, right? And that's all we're really trying to do, help, nothing else. Absolutely. Now, last question for today. What do you do for fun? And <laughs> where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see C-Vision in five years? So we'll go for the fun part first. How does Nelson chill out? I'm a boring guy, actually. <laughs> Believe it or not. Look, I, uh, because of the nature of my job, right, and what we do, I, I've seen all the five-star restaurants and hotels that men could have dreamt with, right? So for that, I'm very thankful. I'm not saying uh, anything about that. Uh, I like to spend time with my kids, family. We watch movies, Netflix. We can burn through a series in less than a day, my wife and I, just drinking wine. I love cooking, mm-hmm. right? Uh, still love traveling. But when I get to a place like Jamaica, as an example, people would think, let's get active, let's do God knows what. And I'm like, no, not quite. We wake up, we go to the gym, we enjoy a little bit of the sunshine. We sit down, wife will read a book, and I'll just sit there and listen to music, Bob Marley. We have very dynamic jobs. Mm -hmm. My fun is to actually neutralize that when I got the time. Wind down. That's it. And as the co-owner so i keep saying co-owner i do apologize as the owner founder uh, the drive behind c vision where do you see the business in five years time what would you hope to have achieved and how global do you want to be as in global co-owner is actually the right word right like i said uh, there was no hesitation from me to split the company with the business partners that I felt would provide the benefits as a whole to the organization, right? That's how committed I was anyways, okay? Next five years, look, we are, we're different in what we're trying to accomplish. We're not transactional. We're looking to foster partnerships, right? We came to take over the market. Uh, we felt the market was boring, was broken. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, do you know what? I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> um, when we first met, it was like, what, 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 what? He goes, how does he know all these people? We said it yesterday. I said it to you yesterday. He goes, how does this guy know this many people at such a high level? Yeah. I'm I'm sticking with him. <laughs> if that makes sense. It's a grind. Look, you got to be, you got to be honest. Yeah. Right. People have to trust you. And uh, as I like to say, I've got more skeletons to bury than a graveyard itself. Right. But that's the trust that comes from, the relationships that you you, you make uh, throughout the years in this industry, right? But the uh, what C Vision really wants is to to foster that collaboration, right? I know the CISO or whoever that may be requires the top solutions out there. That's their job. I know it. I have conversations with them day in day out. Why not try and go and find those organizations, which we believe can actually make that job easier, right? That's all it is, right? In mm-hmm. that and. Networking is key, but not letting them down is even more important, right? Uh, you get one shot at this, and uh, they gotta trust that you're doing the right things. And I think we've uh, we've we've earned that respect and that trust from the industry now, in where other players are looking at us and thinking, how do we change, right, to keep up with it? And soon they'll 
starting to realize that it's not just about change, it's about the willingness to actually say no to a <laughs> to a transaction. Hey, I don't like you. I don't think your approach is going to benefit our community. Right? Can you walk away from money like that? Mm-hmm. And we do. And if we don't like it, we just like if that company is not willing to learn, right? What you guys, the CISOs are actually uh, are asking for, then we walk away from it, right? So see vision in short, we're going to take over. I think we already did. People talk about our events in a level that you won't see it in social media about any other organization, right? Not to mention any names and whatnot, but you know who the big players are. Absolutely. Right? But you we don't we don't force people, we don't we don't even ask the executives, both sponsors, solution providers, or the CIOs and the CISOs to put that stuff on LinkedIn. They do it because they believe it's their right to expose us. Right? Because the, the, the market was broken and boring and there are some big things coming up in the uh in the next few months which you guys are going to be uh witnesses of so we're very excited about that great nelson source co-founder of sea vision international thank you for today thanks charles thanks for having me